Welcome to Awaken Life Church podcast. For more information about our church, please visit awakenlifechurch.net. We hope you enjoy this message by Joy Willette. All right, so um, the message this morning is called Becoming One. Becoming one. So Jesus, we just thank you so much, Lord, for who you are. God, I just welcome you into this time. We just welcome you to come and just have fun with us this morning. We welcome your presence, Father, and I just ask more than anything that your anointing would be present. Um, I thank you already that you showed me in a dream, Father, that you're meeting people's needs, Lord, that you are already speaking to people, Father, in their everyday life, Lord. You're bringing answers and solutions, God. So we just trust in that and we say yes and amen. We receive your answers and your solutions and your heavenly wisdom and divine strategy. We're receiving more of who we are in you, Jesus, this morning, and we just thank you for it, Lord. We welcome your presence here. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. So the Lord um, has been talking to me about becoming one, like becoming one within ourselves. So first, let's put this scripture on the screen, um, James 1.5. This is like one of my favorite scriptures ever. Um, James 1.5 says, if you can read it, it was, <laughs> but if any of you lacks wisdom, there we go, let him ask of God who gives to all generously and without reproach and it will be given to him, okay? So if who lacks wisdom? If any of you lacks wisdom, then he's going to give to who? All generously and without reproach. That's an awesome promise of God, Amen. How many times do we need wisdom in our life? How many times do we need ideas, strategy, creativity, stuff, right? Okay, so I read this and I get super, super encouraged. Now let's pull up the next couple scriptures. But he must ask in faith without any doubting. For the one who doubts is like the surf of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. For that man ought not to expect that he will receive anything from the Lord. Being a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. Oh no, there goes my promise. (laughs) Anyone ever read those scriptures like that? He's going to give to all generously and without reproach. Yay, promise of God. And then wah, wah, wah. You know, oh, uh, somehow I've just been disqualified. Anyone ever feel like that? Let me just encourage you that if you ever read scripture and you find yourself hopeless after reading it, you're not interpreting it correctly. (laughs) You're not interpreting it with Holy Spirit, okay? So there is good news, okay? So God gives us wisdom without reproach. Like he's not even like, oh, fine, here's wisdom. He's like, no, generously take it. I want you to have my wisdom, amen? Um, But how many times does he give us wisdom and then we sit and we say, is this God, is this not? Did I hear right? Maybe I should give up. Maybe I need to stick it out. I don't know. Is this really from God? Was that the devil that just talked to me? I don't even know. Is that myself? You know, how often do we do that and we find ourselves double-minded? How many of you know that that feels like torment? Amen? And so we become double-minded. We experience chaos. And being double-minded just means that you're not in a position to receive from God. The scripture doesn't say God is withholding it from you. It says that you're not going to receive anything from him. Because here he is, gift-wrapping wisdom and saying, here's a gift for you. And you're like, I don't know if I should take it. Are you God? Are you not? Is it me? Is it going to hurt me? (laughs) Right? And so we actually don't receive the gifts from the Lord 
because of the double-mindedness. And so this is why the Lord is addressing, we need to become one within ourselves. That really is the first step to unity. That really is the first step to um, coming into marriage unity and marriage harmony, is that we have to become one within ourselves before the two can then become one. Does that make sense? All right. So we're called to be of one mind, sound mind. When we receive his wisdom, let it be settled in our hearts without second guessing. There's a reason that it's called devil's advocate, okay? When the Lord speaks something to you, you don't have to run it by five, six other people and take their advice before you step out in what God's called you to do, amen? There's wisdom in a multitude of counselors, but when God gives you instruction, you don't have to run it by five other opinions before you walk out what he's telling you to do. Amen? Amen. Okay. <laughs> Ouch. Okay, so without second guessing. The second guessing, if we want to conquer that, it stems from knowing who God is. It stems from truly understanding he is so good. He truly is a wonderful counselor. He really is good at his job. He really, really does want to talk to you. His word promises up and down scripture, my sheep know my voice. My people hear my rhema words. They hear my spoken words, my right now words. He is so good at his job that you don't have to be good at yours. Amen? He wants to speak to you, okay? We have to come into that oneness of mind and stop thinking of ourselves as trash. Stop thinking of ourselves as anything less than what God says that we are. That somehow we're evil and we're, we're gonna misconstrue, misconstrue what he said. Does that make sense? And sometimes it's a wonderful thing because we want to be pleasing to God. We wanna do the right thing. Those are good things. But we have to truly believe that when Christ set us free, he really set us free. Amen. We have the mind of Christ. We've been washed in the blood. We've been given a new heart. Amen. So that we don't have to second guess ourselves all the time when the Lord is speaking to us. Okay. Uh, let's put up Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 5. Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 5 says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God. The Lord is what? He's one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. So the Lord is one. He is not divided. The Bible says there's no shadow of turning in him. There's not even an inkling of him turning away from you. There's more thoughts that he thinks towards your life than there are grains of sand on the seashore. Amen. And he is not, there's no shadow of turning in him. Okay, he is one. Now when it says, you shall love the Lord with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. How many of you have ever felt pressure from reading that? Like, oh, I just gotta love God more. I just gotta try and muster up some more love. I'm not doing a good enough job, right? What this is more talking about, look at the context. The Lord is one. So in the same way, you be one in the way that you love him. Does that make sense? In your, in your mind, in your strength, and with everything you are, you want to be one in the way that you interact with the Lord. Amen? Amen. So, we have been under construction in here. And uh, for those of you that didn't know, there was a wall, like right about where that metal wall starts, all the way over there. And what this used to be in this space over here was our sanctuary. And then on the other side of that wall was what we affectionately called our living room. 
so there were couches and like it was just like so cozy and you know lamps and stuff and we would have our revival groups in there and the youth would meet in there and stuff like that and our goal was just to make it this like comfy place where you can come and be yourself and feel like oh, I can connect with people and things like that well We've been under construction, and the Lord's been speaking to me a lot about the wall coming down. And by the way, I'm so proud of you guys. Like, I'm, I'm proud of all of us. Um, the things that people wrote on the wall, and I know I didn't catch a lot of it on the video because I didn't want to. There were some really vulnerable things on the wall. I knew that the video was going to go on Facebook, and I didn't want anyone to feel exposed or, you know, whatever like that. And so, um, but I'm so proud of like everyone really like dug in, heard from Holy Spirit, wrote on the wall. And I, I truly believe that the Lord did something when we smashed all the lies that the enemy tries to tell us. And we're coming into oneness and an agreement with what the Lord says about us instead of what the enemy's been speaking. So I just want to say that to you guys. You guys are so awesome. Um, but when that wall came down, now, the living room is the sanctuary, and the sanctuary is the living room, okay? <laughs> the sanctuary is the living room, and the living room is the sanctuary, okay? This is what the Lord's been speaking to me about, about oneness. So um, if we can put up on the screen, let's, let's talk about a living room. What is a living room like? Do we have that up on the screen? That's like, there we go. If you can read it, I know it's tiny font. The living room is where you experience comfort, amen? It's where you can relax. I can be me, I can let my guard down, I don't have to put on airs, I don't have to hide. The living room is a place where my children can relax, they can be kids, they can have their toys, they can play, they can experiment. Um, this is where I can make mistakes, this is where I do my everyday life, where I experience connection with other people. This is where I can have me time, right? How many of you just like to sit on the couch? Just, I just need some me time, right? Where my spouse and I feel romantic, right? Sometimes you're sitting on the couch and, you know, hanging out on a date, okay? <laughs> where I can have fun and play games and where I process my life and my feelings, okay? Um, this is where I feel safe. That's a living room, okay? Now let's put up, what do we generally think of with the sanctuary? Sanctuary, where I encounter God, where I worship, where the presence of God permeates, where I learn about God, where I hear him speak to me about my life, where I take communion, where I pray and receive prayer from others, where I experience healing, deliverance, where I experience God's holiness, and where I get filled with the joy of the Lord, okay? The living room is the sanctuary, and the sanctuary is the living room now. Amen? So it's time to find those two things merged and married together, okay? So when we come into the house of God, we do not have to put on airs. We do not have to pretend. We don't have to hide. We don't have to be afraid to make a mistake. We don't have to worry, oh gosh, you know, did I clean myself up enough before I came into the presence of God? No, we want to come in just as we are. That's all that Jesus ever asks for, amen? He says, those that come into the light practice the truth, the truth of who you are, the good, the bad, and the ugly. Bring it all, amen? Your everyday life can feel like the sanctuary. Your everyday life, you can get filled with the joy of the Lord. You can get wrecked in your home, amen? You can fall out in the spirit in your home. You can encounter God in your home every single day. When you come into the sanctuary, you can be who you are. You can let your guard down. You can experience comfort 
Amen. We let the kids run around and they worship and they make mistakes and sometimes they hit each other with the little thingies, but it's okay, right? Because they got to learn how to worship and they, they get to learn watching us worship. Amen. The living room is the sanctuary. The sanctuary is the living room. The Lord wants to break down the walls between those two things. Amen. We have a high, high value for family around here. That's something that we truly believe, like with the apostolic calling and with the supernatural things that the Lord wants to walk us through and with the transformation of culture and things like that. The only system that can, can hold that kind of mantle is family. Amen. You have to know one another. You have to be like that early church. They were family. They were one. Amen? They didn't come together as a corporation to work on a, a similar goal with CEOs and stuff like that. It was family because that's what it takes to contain what it is that the Lord is trying to do. Does that make sense? So we have a huge, huge value for family. That's part of the reason that revival groups are every other Wednesday because on those off Wednesdays, Hang out with your families, teach your kids, be with your kids, have fun, play, you know, have that sanctuary time at home. Does that make sense? Okay, so we have a high, high value for that. God is breaking down walls between these two seemingly separated realms. Revival starts in our hearts and it starts in our homes. Amen. The oneness of our own heart and the oneness of all of these things coming together. So this is not meant to shame anyone or to make you feel like you're not doing a good enough job, you need to do better in your home, hey, get more religious and turn on prayer music, you know, 24 seven. You know, those things are wonderful, but I'm not talking about like, okay, we need to act more religious at home and put a bunch of rules on our family and try to get them to behave a little bit more like they're at church at home. Does this make sense? Okay, but this is an invitation to see that we can have all these things married into one. Does that make sense? This is an invitation to believe something different about God and how he wants to interact with us. So do I ever feel like two different people depending on where I'm at? And nobody has to raise their hand. <laughs> There's definitely been moments that I feel like different people when I'm in the sanctuary versus when I'm in my living room or when I'm out on the street and things like that. Do I view church as work? Do I view ministry as work? Do I view everyday life as unimportant or insignificant or boring, okay? Do I view my everyday life as not being able to be a sanctuary? It's not clean enough. It's not holy enough or, or whatever, okay? Um, I believe the Lord is inviting us in to break down those lies, okay? So in, in Christianity, there has been a tendency for people to have a sacred secular divide, it's like this, when we come to church, we're being sacred, we're having our sacred time. Once we leave the church and we go to our jobs, that's secular time, okay? Can I tell you that that is not biblical, okay? That's not in the Bible. Here's the truth. For every believer, there is no such thing as secular. No such thing. <laughs> There's no such thing as something that's unimportant. There's no such thing as God doesn't care about that detail of your life or what you're doing over here is not significant enough. You're not gonna impact the world like that. There is no such thing. Amen? No such thing, okay? It's not in the Bible. A sanctuary is a consecrated place. It's set apart. It's a holy place. It's a temple. It's God's house. Can I tell you, you are a sanctuary. You are a sanctuary everywhere you go. You have been made clean. If you are a blood-bought believer in Jesus Christ, 
you have been made clean. You have been washed clean by the blood of Jesus. If you read the Old Testament enough and all the different rules and all the different washing ceremonies and all the different things that you had to do to enter into the temple and even still you might die, <laughs> right? You learn that God cannot live in a dirty house. Someone say, God cannot live in a dirty house. He cannot live in a dirty house. But how many of you know that Jesus Christ dwells inside of you? Amen? How many of you know that the Holy Spirit, the same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead, lives inside of you? Amen? If he lives inside of you and you know that God can't live in a dirty house, what does that mean? You are clean. <laughs> you are clean. You are a clean sanctuary everywhere you go. Why? Because of your behavior? No, because of the blood of Jesus. That is the only thing that could ever make you clean. Amen? Everywhere you go, you are a sanctuary. You have been set apart. You have been made holy. And you can be your authentic self. You can be your authentic self. If we think in terms of sacred versus secular, we will always feel like the so-called secular things that we do aren't important. That somehow we're not doing them with God. He doesn't care, okay? Um, how many times do you think David in the Bible picked up a slingshot and shot around for a while? Like how often do you think that he did that? Because I can tell you it wasn't his first time, right, when he was fighting Goliath. Probably wasn't his first time when he fought the lion and the bear, amen? How many times did he shoot that slingshot around? How many of you would classify that as a secular thing if we're gonna think in those terms, okay? How often do you think he played little games with himself? Like, okay, I hit that spot on the tree, I'm gonna hit that same spot 30 more times, right? And he's like out in the field and stuff and he's working on his slingshot skills and he's like, you know what, maybe I should pray more. You know, I should be praying right now, but just one more shot, right? God can use anything and everything in your life. In the hand of God, it becomes something mighty that he can use. Amen. We, sometimes we look at the mundane things and we think they're insignificant. We spend most of our life in the mundane things. Amen. And they're not insignificant. The Lord is always wanting to speak to us. It's just a matter of at any moment, we just turn our attention to him. Just like, Lord, I know that you're here. It's, it's not even like, Lord, come because he's already here, <laughs> amen? He's already there. It's just a matter of us turning our awareness that his presence is there, that he wants to speak to us in any moment, amen? It's not a pressure, it's an invitation. We have access to that. He's our best friend, he is awesome. And he's also almighty God, amen? <laughs> Who knows all the answers to every, anything we could ever ask, okay? You are a sanctuary. Do you think David enjoyed his hobby? Do you think he should have ever felt guilty that he was having fun out in the fields shooting a slingshot? <laughs> okay, here's a lie that we believe sometimes. God is not fun. Or God is not happy when we're having fun. Like we're having fun, it's like, oh, oh okay, now we gotta think of holy things. <laughs> That's a lie, amen? God invented fun. <laughs> God invented joy. Amen. Can I tell you, we were talking about that this morning. Can I tell you, you're, you're, like, you've been washed in the blood, blood bought. Your factory reset is joy in your belly, wanting to flow out. Make sense? 
So when we're like, Lord, we want more joy, and we're thinking in terms of, we want more joy. Can we pull joy down and bring it into our hearts? No, the joy is inside of you already. The enemy tries to block it up. The enemy tries to get you to believe lies, to shove the joy down, but it is a well of living water inside of your belly, amen? Something needs to move out of the way, not be brought into you when you're looking for more joy of the Lord, amen? It's a matter of letting down a wall, amen? It's a matter of opening yourself up and being like, okay, I release the joy that's already inside of me, amen? You are a walking sanctuary. You are a well of life everywhere you go. This is not a pressure. This has already been done for you. This is what you have access to. This is what your sphere of influence has access to through you. Amen? Because God's good. All right, let's put up on the screen 1 Corinthians 10.31. Whether then you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God, okay? Whatever you do. Again, does that make you feel like pressure? (laughs) Does it make you feel like, oh, I just got to think about God all the time and I can't think about anything else and he's not fun and I feel guilt and all this kind of stuff? No, this is an invitation, okay? Anything that you do can be done to the glory of God, amen? He's always there. If that feels like pressure to you, then your living room might be divided from your sanctuary, and the Lord wants to break that wall down today. Amen? If you have a secular, sacred divide, you will naturally believe the lie that pastors and preachers are more spiritual than you. That is a lie. (laughs) That is a lie. Okay? That they are more favored than you. That they can hear God more than you. Okay? Can I tell you, that is a lie. Somehow they're closer to Jesus than you. No. We all have access to the holy of holies. Amen? When we believe lies like that, we set ourselves up for spiritual abuse. And it happens so, so easily. Amen? We we really... um, we really, what's the word? We really pray into a lot that the Lord would help us to make this a safe environment um, for people to come and, you know, experience the Lord and for them to come and be powerful, for them to come and learn their worth and stuff like that and not put themselves under subjection of people's rules and people telling them, well, this is how you should live and this is what you should do. By the grace of God, we, we pray that often, like, Lord, we do not want to operate in control and things like that. And so I, I'm so um, thankful when people make the comment, like, this feels like a safe place for me that's, like, so important to my heart. But at the same time, it's awesome to find safe places but you have to be a safe place within yourself and understand who you are in Christ. Understand your authority in Christ so that when you go into different environments, you're not going to come under spiritual abuse. Does that make sense? You're not going to come under some, you know, person telling you, well, the Lord says, thus saith the Lord, da, 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 da. And you're like, yeah, that has nothing to do with me. And you're afraid to go against the man of God or the woman of God because somehow they have a closer relationship. Nope. <laughs> they are no more spiritual than you, okay? When we think in terms of sacred and secular, you're automatically going to think, well, the sacred things are more important and the secular things are not, okay? Not everyone is meant to have a ministry position in church, amen? 
it perpetuates that lie that if that's the ultimate is to be sacred, then everyone should be vying for some kind of ministry position in church. But that's not true. The Lord has called us to go into the world and disciple nations, okay? To bring transformation to our culture, to bring the kingdom of heaven to earth. That is not gonna happen through a few great messages from our church. It's gonna happen when an army gets released out of the church doors and goes into all walks of life and they're walking sanctuaries everywhere they go and know how significant they are and how important they are and even in the mundane things, knowing that they have access to the spirit of the living God inside of them. That's what's going to bring transformation. And by the way, can I share with you that we win. (laughs) We win, the church wins. Jesus says, my church is gonna be raised up and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. He believes in the church, we should believe in the church. Amen, we are the church. Walking sanctuaries, amen. We are walking encounters with the living God. Amen, amen. There is no sacred secular divide, okay? When we think in terms of that, we can set up huge disappointments for ourselves when church leaders fail. Amen. What you do is no less valuable than people who have a ministry platform, nor do they have any greater capacity to hear God than you. We need leaders and influencers in all areas of our culture. As a business owner, you are doing kingdom work. Amen. In the medical field, you are doing kingdom work. At your restaurant job, you are doing kingdom work. Amen. As a mom, if I feel like I'm just biding my time until their kids are gone so that I can do real ministry, I'm believing a lie, and the Lord wants to break down that wall. Some of the most important ministry that I'm doing right now is raising my kids up, amen? That's one I gotta tell myself. Sometimes we start chasing this destiny thing, we start chasing this significance thing, and it's like, if you already knew how significant you were, You would make a big difference right where you're at, you know? Like the Lord's given me dreams for what I'm gonna be doing later in life and whatever, but I'm not waiting and biding my time until that time. I'm in my destiny right now, amen? You're in your destiny right now. How many of you know Jesus was in his destiny in a manger, amen? You're in your destiny right now. The only moment you can affect is right now, amen? So if you're always putting stuff off into the future, you're missing, you're missing the right now. Amen? Amen. Yeah, let's rethink what, what real ministry is, okay? So we're gonna change gears for a second and we're gonna talk about Gideon. And um, I was asking the Lord, okay, you know, where do you want me to read in the Bible? And he says, I want you to read about Gideon. And I really didn't know why. It didn't, like, it didn't compute. I'm like, I don't see how that really applies. I'm like, hey, you're the king of kings and you know stuff, right? <laughs> so I'm like, I'm going to read Gideon, see what happens. So um, to kind of sum up where we're at, for those of you that maybe don't know the story as well, um, Gideon is um, with the Israelites. They have been given over into the hands of Midian. Um, Midian is this huge, huge, vast number of people. They're like locusts, the Bible says. 
And what's happened now is that every time the Israelites um, produce anything, if they have any kind of harvest, if they produce any kind of crop or any, any goods or whatever, the Midianites would come in like locusts and just take all their crops. And it would happen over and over and over again. They were desperate. It felt like they could never get ahead. No matter what they did, That they, it was just robbed all the time. So not only were they robbed of their livelihood, but robbed of all hope to ever overcome them because they came in like locusts that just seemed completely undefeatable. So here's Gideon, and Gideon's trying to beat out some wheat, and he's doing it in a wine press because he has to hide because he's afraid the Midianites are going to come and take his wheat. So here he is hiding, and the Lord finds him, and he says, the Lord is with you, mighty man of valor, right? Now, how many of you know that the Lord is not being sarcastic, <laughs> hey, mighty man of valor, you know, like sometimes my husband and I do that, like when we're joking around or whatever, and he does something, you know, that he shouldn't or whatever. I'm like, oh, Pastor Daniel, you know, <laughs> and he'll be like, oh, Pastor Joy, and we'll be sarcastic with one another. But, uh, but how many of you know the Lord was not being sarcastic? He was not making fun of him. He was calling out who he really was. You really are a mighty man of valor. Okay, he's saying that to each and every one of you today. Somebody say, I am a mighty man of valor. Or I am a mighty woman of valor. <laughs> okay, that's who you are. That's who you are. The Lord is with you, and that's who you are. Okay. Now, he believed in God, and he knew the stories that God had delivered them from the Egyptians and through supernatural means and mighty miracles, and he'd heard all the miracles. But here he is sitting in a wine press, and how many of you know that he's double-minded? It's like, I believe in the Lord, but in my experience, the Midianites keep stealing everything that I have, and I'm afraid, and so I'm sitting in this wine press. So he's double-minded, so he hasn't received from the Lord because he's double-minded, okay? Um, Midian, the actual name Midian means judgments, judgments, okay? Um, the Midianites would come in with the Amalekites. Amalekites means lapping up hope through endless toiling, okay? How many of you have ever felt surrounded by judgments like locusts? that try to keep you in hiding. In fact, all the Israelites were in hiding. They would hide in caves and dens and anywhere that they could to get away from the Midianites, okay? How many of you have ever felt like, I toil and toil and toil and it comes to nothing and it's stealing up my hope, okay? I can tell you, you can win a victory against those things with the Lord, amen? So they're stealing all the productivity from the Israelites. How many of you know when you're surrounded by judgments, whether it's other people's or your own, it steals your productivity? Let me tell you, like, the way the enemy comes against us. We've, we've put um, our music stuff on the back burner for so many years. So many years, people have been like, you guys need to put out a CD. You guys need to record your worship stuff. And it's always like, oh, we're not worthy or we're not good enough. You know, that kind of battle is what you fight. And then as soon as you step out to put music out there, the battle changes. And it's like, who do you think you are? You're just out to make a buck. You're out to get to put your name out there. It's all about you guys, right? The voices change, right? How many of you know when you're surrounded by judgments, it causes you to kind of want to run and hide? But we don't want to do that. Amen? Do you ever feel like that? Do you ever feel like the world is so overwhelming, so corrupt, so unconquerable? Do you ever feel like, I'm so weak, I'm so ineffective, I'm no good, what can I do, okay? 
That's not who we're called to be. We are mighty men and women of valor. I work and I work and I work and it feels like I get nowhere. I know the promises of God says this, but my experience is that. I'm feeling a little double-minded and it's not something to feel condemnation about. It's something to get real about with the Lord. Amen. Who am I to accomplish anything for the kingdom? The enemy is always coming to rob from me, okay? The Lord is encouraging you this morning, come out of hiding. Come out of hiding. Um, are we afraid to live our sanctuary life out in the open? And I'll be the first one to say that there have been many times that, you know, like in my sanctuary life, like when I'm here, like it's super comfortable. Like if you want me to pray for you, I will pray for you. I will believe for your healing. You know, I will, you know, pray and ask the Lord to fill you with the joy of the Lord and we're falling on the floor and we're laughing and we're experiencing God and we're getting wrecked and it's awesome. And then we step outside and the Lord's like, hey, I want you to minister to that lady on the plane and I become George McFly from Back to the Future. <laughs> and it's like that split second of like, I don't think I can handle that kind of rejection. <laughs> you know, I've, I've experienced that, you know, but it's like this, this thing that wants to rise up, but like the judgments come and it's just like, what are they going to think of me? You know, what if this is weird to them? What if they reject me? What if they say no? And the Lord's like, hey, minister to that lady on the plane. And so I start a conversation with the lady on the plane and she's being snarky and I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, she's not listening, you know. And, uh, but when you step out and when you come out of hiding and you do what the Lord is saying to do, how many of you know we do what we see the Father doing? Amen. We say what he's saying. When you step out and you do that, you just build that testimony after testimony of like, no, he really does show up. And um, with, with that particular, I've told this story before, with that particular lady, even though she was snarky at first, uh, we actually did get to pray for her and she had an instant uh, miracle in her shoulder. She had just had surgery and, and she was like, yeah, she's like, well, thanks for praying for me, you know, because before I couldn't do this. Oh my gosh, I'm doing it. <laughs> and so then she's like in tears and she asked us to pray for her mom who was going through cancer and stuff like that. And like, as we walked, watched her walk away. She's like walking away like, <laughs> you know, God's so good. It's to his glory. Amen. He's faithful. I was George McFly <laughs> and he's, he's awesome. But, but how often do we feel surrounded by judgment that makes us want to live in hiding? Amen. My family is the least in Manasseh is what Gideon says. And I'm the youngest in my father's house. You know, we, we find all these crazy ways to disqualify ourselves. How can we be disqualified from the living God? You know, he's already made us clean. He's already set us up for every kind of success. Amen. I spent a long time afraid to tell people that I was a pastor. A long time. <laughs> people would ask me what I do. Oh, you know, like... I stay home with my kids and, you know, I sing songs at church and, you know, I know people act different when you say that you're a pastor. I don't really like that. But, um, but no one had seen that in me before we stepped out. Like we felt the call of God on our lives, but the people around us at the time didn't really see it. And so it became this weird thing where I felt really illegitimate. Okay. And it's kind of like, have you guys ever had that moment when you have a newborn baby and it's like your first baby and you're in the hospital and um, they're like, okay, you're discharged. And you're like, I get to take this with me? Like, you don't know me. Like, uh, this is a human being. <laughs> like, I don't know what I'm doing. Is this really 
okay, I'm going to walk out with this baby and everyone's going to let me go, right? And that, it can kind of feel like that sometimes, like the Lord's called us to, to raise up this church and like all the time we're like, okay, Jesus, we're trusting you, you know? It's like, okay, we trust that, that you said that this is what we're supposed to be doing, amen? So I felt disqualified for a long time. I felt um, illegitimate. Um, I would often get asked the question, sometimes still get asked the question, you still doing that church thing? <laughs> and it's okay, you know, like, it's, it's all right. Um, but uh, I don't have generations of pastors in my family to show me the way. Like, how many of you know, like, there's every excuse in the book. There's every judgment that I can think of that would cause me to want to go run in a cave and hide and not do what the Lord's calling us to do. Amen. Even one day the Lord asked me, um, are you ready to be called a heretic? And I'm like, I don't know. Because <laughs> I'm called to preach about grace, about supernatural things, about prophecy and healing and deliverance, you know, uh, about joy and, and holy laughter, dream interpretation. And by the way, I'm a woman preacher. How else may I offend you? <laughs> you know, so, you know, I, I've definitely come up against a lot of judgment and oftentimes from Christian brothers and sisters. And, you know, they mean well and they believe what they believe. And so they're just trying to stand up for what they believe in. But still, it can be painful. And then the judgments against myself that I already had. Um, so I spent a lot of time time being double-minded about pastoring a church. And I can tell you, it is tormenting. It is tormenting. Um, so let's put up Judges 6, 16. And this, when I was reading Gideon and I read this, this is when I was like, oh, that's why you're t telling me to read this, okay? Um, but the Lord said to him, said to Gideon, surely I will be with you and you shall defeat Midian as one man, and that's what stood out to me as one man. Now, I realize that there are um, translations that refer to, like, you'll defeat Midian as if Midian is just one man, okay? But what jumped off the page to me is the Lord speaking through that. Gideon needs to defeat them as one man, like one whole within himself and not double-minded. Does that make sense? Okay? So that stood out to me as one man, so God commands Gideon to cut down the Asherah poles. Essentially, he's asking him to bring his sanctuary faith out into the open. And he says, you need to cut down these poles, okay? Um, how many of you know that there's times that we need to stand up and say something in, in situations? Obviously in love, obviously led by the Lord, Led by the Lord before we type, amen. <laughs> Led by the Lord. We want to say what he's saying. We want to do what he's doing, amen. He received a command from the Lord, cut down the Asherah poles, and he went and he did it. And he started living his sanctuary life outside of the wine press where he felt comfortable and out in the open, amen. So then Gideon encounters God, the Lord then reveals himself to Gideon as he's talking to him. And Gideon is convinced that he's going to die because he saw the Lord face to face. He's like, oh, I'm going to die. Okay. And so the Lord speaks to him. He says, peace to you. Do not fear. You shall not die. So then Gideon built an altar to the Lord. And this is the first mention of Jehovah Shalom. So this is the first time we ever experience God is peace in the Bible is with Gideon. Gideon shaken in his boots, double-minded, asking for like sign after sign after, can you please confirm that like eight more times for me, right? And so when Gideon is real before the Lord, 
in his double-mindedness, Lord, I want to believe what you're saying, but I need some help here. That's when the Lord reveals himself for the first time as Jehovah Shalom, God is peace. Amen. God wants to encounter you. He wants to encounter you with his shalom peace. Now, shalom is so much more than just peace. Shalom means wholeness. Wholeness. It means one. One in your spirit. Okay? It means sound. It means safe, well, happy, friendly. How many of you know God is friendly? (laughs) Friendly, welfare, health, prosperity, Peace, favor, great, perfect peace, rest, peaceable, all is well and holy. Multidimensionally, it means complete well-being physically, psychologically, socially, and spiritually. How many of you know that Jehovah Shalom is hugely powerful in our life? Amen. One encounter with Jehovah Shalom, and we become singleness in our mind, and we become the mighty man or woman of valor that, we, that he already knows that we are. We just come into agreement with it. Amen. Amen. So Gideon was at war with himself, but God tells him who he is, a mighty man of valor, but it doesn't feel true to him. So Gideon was double-minded and couldn't expect to receive that kind of wisdom from God in that state. So what does God do for him? He gives him an encounter. He doesn't slap him down. He doesn't tell him, where's your faith? You're shaking in your boots. I'm, I'm not proud of you right now. No, he's like, well, this is what you need. You need an encounter with me. He gives him his shalom. He builds testimony after testimony his life, confirmation after confirmation, builds Gideon's faith by his grace. Amen. Again, faith is not something that we have to muster up in our own strength. It comes from God. We just ask him for it. Amen. By God's grace, he gave Gideon faith until Gideon came into unity with himself. Gideon defeats the Midianites supernaturally as one whole man who is one with himself. Amen. How did he get there? He encountered God. He was real with God about his faith level. He asked God for confirmations. How many of you know it's okay to ask God for confirmations? I ask him for confirmations all the time, okay? And he walked out the process with the Lord step by step, taking his sanctuary faith out in the open. Amen? You can come out of hiding and defeat the judgments and endless toil in your life when you receive the wholeness, the perfect shalom of the Lord. You will defeat them as one man or one woman undivided within yourself. No more thinking of, this is how I am in a living room. This is how I am in a sanctuary. Those two things are one. We are the sanctuary. Amen. So let's talk about the living room as a sanctuary. King David lived his life where his living room was a sanctuary. Amen. He always approached the Lord in full truth of who he was, good, bad, and ugly. He contended with the Lord. He complained. He's like, Lord, when are you going to show up? He never hid his true motives. He was just like, he just poured out his heart before the Lord. He let his guard down. He had fun. He danced wildly before the Lord, naked even. (laughs) He was comfortable, okay, um, around the Lord to just be himself. How many of you know the Lord spins about wildly over us? 
Like the Lord himself spins wildly, the word says. He spins wildly over us, and somehow we still think that we have to approach him. And the picture I always get, I don't know if any of you have seen the movie Galaxy Quest. Um, if you've seen the movie Galaxy Quest, the Thermians, they're these aliens that talk like this all the time. And, you know, the Lord is like spinning wildly over us, and he's passionate about us, and he's excited for us. And we feel like we have to come to the Lord, and yes, we solemnly ask you, Lord, would you please have favor on us? Lord, hear our prayer. Lord, hear our prayer. You know, and it's like we think we have to approach him in this, like, way, or we have to change our voice, or we have to be different than who we are. And it's like it's so not the truth of God that we can come and we can feel like we're in our living room. Okay, we're not we're not de-escalating the Lord to like a lower place. He's still Almighty God, but He is also our friend. Amen. He is also the lover of our souls. He knows everything. He's our Father. He's Abba Daddy. How many of you know that Abba Daddy? Like daddies want their kids to feel comfortable around them to be themselves. Amen. All right. What about romance? Is marital affection unholy? Like we need to hide it from God or feel ashamed? I, I can tell you, there's even been times like when, you know, my husband will come up to me, we're in the sanctuary, and he's like kissing on me and stuff, and I'm like, we're in church. <laughs> As if like that's like shocking to the Lord, you know. Um, <laughs> have you ever read Song of Solomon? Because it's not PG. <laughs> okay, the Lord wrote Song of Solomon. That's his passion toward us. That's how he feels about us. He invented all of those things, amen. There is not a single area of our life that we can't invite God in into. There's not a single area that it's like, okay, God, but you kind of stay over there for a second. Like we can invite him into every single area of our life. Amen. If that feels weird to you, then God wants to knock that wall down. (laughs) Amen. Okay. Um, God even watches movies and TV with me. Like, it's so funny, like there's, and I've, I've said this before, but there's so many times that the Lord will use a movie that I watched or a TV show that I watched and put it in my dream and then tell me something about my life using these characters and this story. Um, there's so many times that he's spoken to me that way. He'll speak to me as I'm watching something. Hey, pay attention to that. That's kind of like what you're experiencing in your life. Um, the Spider-Man uh, Far From Home, I swear Stan Lee is a prophet because <laughs> the Lord was speaking to me through that, you know, like I don't want to spoiler alert anything, but but, you know, how often do we give our power away that God wants to entrust to us, but we're like, oh, no, someone else deserves it. And then we come under bondage because of it. Um, the Lord speaks all the time through things. Now, there are times that I'll watch something and the Lord will tell me to turn it off. And, you know, I want to walk surrender to the Lord. And, you know, the, the scripture says in, in Song of Solomon, place me as a seal of fire on your heart and over your life. And basically what happens is then that fire comes and burns up all the chaff and it's just all the useless things. But the Song of Solomon in the Passion Translation says that he'll burn up all the chaff so much so that it won't even feel like a sacrifice anymore, okay? So this isn't like, oh man, he's gonna tell me I'm in the middle of his boring life and he doesn't want me to do anything, you know? No, it's not like that. But there are some things that he's like, hey, that's actually not good for you. And it doesn't feel like a sacrifice anymore. It's like, Lord, I want you in my life. You know, one, one of the things, I was um, watching something, and it's, you know how sometimes a series will start a certain way, but then it kind of gets more and more dark? It was one of those things, and like, it just really felt like the enemy was being magnified in this thing, and the Lord gave me a dream, and he's like, yeah, I don't want you to watch that. And it's, that's a personal conviction for me, because the Lord has us operate in deliverance a lot, and when I'm battling a demon growling at me, the last thing I want is images in my head 
ahead of how powerful the enemy is because it's a lie. Amen. Like he has nothing on the blood of Jesus. He has nothing against the name of Jesus. And so I'm like, why am I going to put my thoughts on something like that? And the Lord spoke to me. So I was like, all right, it's, that's not even a sacrifice. Here you go, Lord. Okay. Um, God invented parties. <laughs> God invented parties. It's funny. One of, one of my favorite um, comments that someone made about our church, my daughter brought her friend from school and, you know, her friend like hasn't had a lot of experiences with different churches and stuff. And so she's like, yeah, I went to so-and-so's church and it was like, it was very respectful and calm and solemn. She's like, but it was cool. She's like, and then I went to Tia's church and everybody's like, woo, party. (laughs) And I'm like, yes. I'm like, I love that description. That's good. (laughs) That's definitely a part of our DNA. It's like, God is fun. He's joyful. Joy is one third of the kingdom. Amen. Uh, God invented parties. The feasts in the Bible were meant to be enjoyed. Wedding feasts, they were huge celebrations that would last like a week long, okay? The Feast of Booths actually commanded people to rejoice and have fun. Like the Lord commanded them, you must have fun as you celebrate this feast, okay? The Bible says, and this is in Matthew 22 and also in Luke 14, the Bible says that the kingdom of God, and I'm going to paraphrase, paraphrase, the kingdom of God is like a man who threw a party, and he's like, hey, I'm throwing this party. Tell everyone to come, invite my guests. And the guests are like, oh, I'm too busy. I have this field. I must consider this field. Or I have five yoke of oxen and I'm going to work hard because working hard, I don't have time to celebrate with you, right? I've got to consider this field. I've got to consider my ministry. My ministry is too much work. I have no time to celebrate or be joyful, right? And so they turn down his invitation to come and celebrate with him, to come and party with him. And so he's like, send out the invitation. Bring anyone else in that'll come in and put on the wedding garment. Amen? Our father loves to party. He invented them. Let's take back the word party into Christianity. Amen? We're not talking about wild, boozing it up or whatever, but we can get wild in the Holy Spirit, (laughs) be drunk in the Spirit, and God invented parties and fun. He wants us to celebrate. Us celebrating means that we trust that he really did accomplish it on the cross. Amen. If we feel like we can't celebrate, we're probably a little far over into works and earning and striving. Amen. We're called to celebrate. God is fun. Psalm 1611 says, in your presence, there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. And then um, the last thing I want to talk about is, um, I actually posted it on our, um, our Facebook, but it was a post from Georgian Banov, and it was uh, just really powerful. He talks about Psalm 45.7 and also Hebrews 1.9. Um, and this is about Jesus after his victory on the cross. The Lord says to him, you have loved righteousness and hated wickedness. Therefore, God, your God, has anointed you with the oil of joy above your companions. Okay, how many of you know that Jesus was anointed with the oil of joy, the oil of gladness? So he went through all the hardship, paid the price on the cross, and part of his reward was receiving that oil of joy. And so Georgian Banov was saying, this, this is not a cheap joy. This is not just this, oh, haha, we're going to laugh and be silly and it's meaningless. No, the Lord paid a high price to get that oil of joy. Amen. It really does accomplish things when we're experiencing the joy of the Lord. There is things moving in our hearts. There's things shifting in the atmosphere. Um, We're receiving revelation of how easy things are. It's powerful and it's not a cheap joy. 
Religion wants you holy but not happy. The world wants you happy but not holy. God wants you holy and happy. And they are not separated. Amen. There is no secular, sacred divide. The living room is the sanctuary. The sanctuary is the living room. Amen. Amen. So I just want to read to you. Um, I just I felt like this little download from the Lord. So I just want to read this over you. So if maybe we'll just all close our eyes and just um, receive from the Lord anything that He's speaking to you through this. Um, I heard the Lord say, "I am in your rest. I am not inviting you to alter the way you behave." or interact with separate spaces, I am inviting you to alter yourself and how you interact with yourself and with me. Are there divisions within yourself? If there are divisions within yourself, it stems from a belief that there are divisions within me, that there are some aspects of life that I'm not interested in or places that I don't want you to experience joy, freedom, or rest. I'm not asking for you to feel more burdened from me in new aspects of your life. I'm asking you to remove more of the burdens you've been carrying in different aspects of your life that I've never asked you to carry. Guilt is a huge burden that causes people to shy away from me. I came to remove your guilt, shame, and sin. I am uniting you, not just corporately, but individually as well. Thank you, Jesus. Yeah, so we just thank you, Lord, for that. We thank you, Father, that you are removing the divisions, Lord, not just in our behaviors, but you're removing the divisions within ourself. And what we feel like is safe, what we feel like is okay in any given setting. Lord, I thank you, Father, that you're breaking down those walls, Lord Jesus, and that you're going to continue to do that, Lord. We look to you. We trust in you, Father. Lord, I thank you, Father, that as um, every single one of us goes about our week and we seek after you, Lord, I pray that we would all feel the boldness, Lord, to approach your throne of grace with that boldness to be who we are in this moment and to say, Lord, here's my double-mindedness. Lord, here's the way I've been thinking. I need your help. Lord, I thank you, Father, that you never turn us away, that you truly do give us wisdom generously and without reproach, Lord. I thank you, Father, and I just bless um, this shalom over every single one of us, shalom to our minds, shalom to our bodies, shalom to our relationships, shalom to our finances, shalom to our health. Um, In every area, Lord, I thank you, Father, that that's just who you are. And we just welcome the presence of Jehovah Shalom into every area of our lives, Lord Jesus. Make us one, Lord. Make us one within ourselves, Lord. And we just thank you so much for it, Lord Jesus.